Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Phoenix Suns did it again. Instant replay. Flash it back. After a 118-106 win in the opener, it's a 118-108 win in Game 2. There were definitely some differences. Uh, there are there multiple reasons the Bucks lost that game. Yeah, I know. The Suns scored more points. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bucks won the first quarter, uh, but they could not hold Phoenix under 30 points the rest of the game. And 118, that's, just, that's a winning number. If you get to 118, you're probably going to win. If you can't get to 110, you're probably going to lose. And you can flip that. If you hold your opponent under 110, you're probably going to win. The Suns really won the kind of game that Quinn Snyder always wanted the Jazz to play. Who shot the three better? The Suns did. 20 of 40. Look at the 40 attempts. They took a lot of threes. And everybody, everybody pointed out that they won the 50-50 balls. They made more hustle plays to get to more rebounds, more loose balls, more deflected passes. If it was a 50-50 ball, the Suns were much more likely to come up with it, come up with it than the Bucks. I was uh, I was at work at Channel 2, and I was driving home, and I was listening to the start of the game, and Doris Burke was on that early in the game. And I got home and uh, watched uh, the game and watched some of the post-game afterwards, and uh, Mike Budenholzer in the locker room, brought it up to his team. You know, they got the camera in the locker room and hey, got to win those 50-50 balls. And Tim Legler was bringing it up on the post game on uh on Sports Center after the game on ABC. So everybody saw it. It was obvious to all of us, got to win the 50-50 balls. Just got to get that. Got to get more possessions and not only the Suns get them, but then, you know, off the offensive rebounds or the scramble or whatever, they're hitting three-pointers. They're 20 of 40. And the Bucks are 9 of 31. Giannis Antetokounmpo, I wondered if he could come back. And he had a decent game, right? He's 20 and 17, 20 and 18 in the first game. Could he come back bigger, though? You know, a couple more days, get in a little bit of a groove. Sure enough, 42 points on 15 of 22 shooting. Didn't shoot the three well, didn't shoot the free throws that well. But 42 points, 12 rebounds, and four assists. On the other hand... The role players, nobody really got it going. Uh, Middleton, who's kind of their second option, their second guy, and in the clutch, a go-to guy, 11 points on 5 of 16 shooting. He was 1 of 6 from 3, and he never got to the free throw line, not even one time. And Drew Holiday was 7 of 21. He had 17 points and 7 assists, but you're only shooting 33%. The team, aside from Antetokounmpo, everybody else shot 38%. There just wasn't enough offense around him. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 4 of 10, 0 for 2 from 3. I mean, you just go on and on. Uh, it, it was it was a struggle for the Bucks, And you can look at the offensive end, you can look at the defensive end, and obviously they feed on each other. There's a chicken and the egg thing. You know, if they've gotten more stops, where they've been running more, and maybe guys get some easy stuff in transition and heats them up. But they didn't get enough of that. And if they hit more shots, okay, maybe their defense is set and they defend better, but it just it didn't work for them. Uh, I thought they were slightly more competitive in this game. There was a similar deal, you know, it was close early, a little back and forth, but by the second quarter, the Suns are taking control. Um, the lead didn't get as big as outrageous. It still got up into double digits, but... And the Bucks got back within five. But man, the Suns had a three-pointer every time they needed it. They got it. So they're up 2-0. And we got a question up on Facebook. Should it be the Jazz who are up 2-0 right now? How many of us think that? And it's, it's hard for me to sign off on that one. You know, I would like to say yes. I'd like to say, yeah, they could have done it, and they were right there. 
but they didn't beat the Suns in three regular season matchups. And the Suns are showing a little more resilience here in, in tough situations than the Jazz did. And I know the Jazz were injured and beat up in those last four games. And it'd be easier to say, yeah, it'd be the Jazz if the Jazz had showed better against the Suns in the regular season. And I know playoffs don't always follow the regular season. So I can't definitively guarantee you the Jazz would have lost to the Suns. But watching the way the Suns are playing, watch the way the Jazz are playing, and watching the way the three regular season games went, seems to me probable the Suns probably would have beaten the Jazz in the Western Conference Final. Seems likely. We'll never know. The Jazz didn't get there. However, it's not that big a jump. Did they get better? Did they improve the roster? Did the guys are there? Are they a little tougher, having gone a little deeper in the playoffs, having a little more experience? Uh, I think Donovan Mitchell will. I think he will. Now the question is, will he have guys to go with him? Because he can't have stat lines like Antetokounmpo had where nobody goes with him. You know, Booker was really good, 31 points. And he was 12 of 25 shooting, so almost 50%. He was 7 of 12 from the three-point line, a little better than 50%. He didn't get to the free throw line. In game one, I think he shot eight free throws in the first half. Didn't get to the free throw line, but, man, 31 points, five rebounds, six assists. He did a lot of damage. And Chris Paul was there with 23 points, and he made half his shots, 10 of 20. And three of five from the arc. So their stars got it done. But they had some role guys go with them. Bridges going for 27 points. Aiton and Crowder in double figures. Not huge games for either one of them, but still in double figures. Now, their depth is getting tested here. Sarge torn ACL, so he's done. Uh, Torrey Craig went down. Don't know how bad it is. He played eight minutes before he went out. Um, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to play Kaminsky more? Kaminsky played one entire minute in this game. I don't think Aiton can play 48. He played 42. Now, the great thing for the Suns here is you can play your guys bigger minutes because you're getting extra days off. You know, you, you play Tuesday, Thursday, but now there isn't a game until Sunday. So there's a little rest to bounce back, and I think that's why Paul played 41 minutes and Aiton played 42 and Bucker played 44. Those, those are huge minutes. And they got an extra day to recover. So... And really, the, conge- the schedule doesn't get that congested the rest of the series. There, there's, there's a lot of days mixed off here. I'm mixed in going forward here. A lot of days off. So the Suns may be able to get away with big minutes. But when Aiden does sit, what do they do? Can the Bucks get him in foul trouble or foul him out? Uh, I, I think that's got to be part of their plan going forward. That's got to be part of the deal. Go right at him. Uh, and that's kind of what Giannis wants to do anyway. Giannis loves to attack and get in the paint. So if you get him in foul trouble along the way, great. Outstanding. So, But it's two games to done now. Suns, two down, two to go. Or if you want to go bigger picture, they've got 14 down and two to go. Uh, they're on the brink going to Milwaukee. If they they got the home court advantage, so if they get a road game, they are really in good shape. Um, and I don't think they're in horrible shape if they come home 2-2. But obviously you get to 2-0, you, know, you want to come home three one or four zero? I wouldn't. I wouldn't think they're going to sweep. Uh, and if they get one, they're going to be in great shape. Then they close it out at home. Their fans can celebrate and great. So we'll see where it goes from here. But it's two zero now. All right, DJ and PK. More in a moment. Stay with us. It's ninety seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Mark, welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. How we doing? We are doing well. And you've had about a week now, a little more than that, but about a week of name, image, and likeness. And I wonder, how much have you learned? You got more questions than you did a week ago? You got more answers than you did a week ago? Is your head spinning faster than it was a week ago? Oh, you know, it's been a, uh, it's been a good, good first week. Uh, it's filled with a lot of training and education, understanding, um, and uh, it's fun to see some of our real engaged student athletes uh, start to make progress in whatever they happen to be interested in. But uh, it, it is such an early phase of all this. Um, you know, we're just we're just anxiously awaiting anything we can help. So you have a football program that is extremely high profile. Everyone knows that, and you've got some guys on that team that people would want to uh, align with. It's clear, right? I mean, they're good students, they're good athletes, they're good people, and all that stuff. And so uh, I would think that they've already been uh, inquired about as far as that goes. From the university's perspective, we were just talking about how universities would like to be involved. What is your level, from a university standpoint, in terms of reviewing and almost to the point, I don't know if approving is the right word, but what's going to be the connection there? Well, you know, obviously we talked about this being a weekend. What is literally eight days in is us finally getting the structures of of what the quote-unquote rules of engagement are. I mean, right up until the 11th hour, well-documented, we did not have any structure uh, from, from the NCAA and how this would work. And, of course, you guys know we're in a state that does not have specifications via a state law. So when midnight on July 1st uh, came about, or I should say 1201, you know, we really had an opportunity to kind of do what we thought was the very best for our students. And so we've kind of crafted along those lines. And so what we've really done is, is talked about how to do this with our students, right? How to. So the how to would be come forward with concepts, ideas, things that you want to do, work with our compliance office, get some basic understandings of, of how this would work, some understanding of, of anything that may come about. And, of course, we're talking there about tax issues, if we've got kids on Pell Grant, if, if there's effects to that. Um, we also want to make sure that they do understand, which has not been widely reported, that there is still some eligibility items we have to, we have to work on. If they're doing a deal that's inducing them to stay at the University of Utah, if it's an incoming kid, to come to Utah, that will affect their eligibility. They have to do things that are straight pay for work, endorsement for work, that are similar market values so that what other people would get. So we're, we're working with them on all that. Um, the best thing we've, we've really been able to do here, and something I'm really proud of, is Sharmel Green, our deputy AD and chief operating officer who's leading this initiative, she just developed this incredible partnership with her team with the business school on campus. And that's the Lasan Institute, which is a great entrepreneurship program here. And so we're working with those people to work with our students to kind of craft how they want to move forward in their brand, how they want to do certain things. So that's what kind of we're seeing a lot of that right now, just explanation, how to, those kind of things. And we've certainly seen some activity. Um, we've certainly seen some of our students start to do things that we're excited about. They're maybe not 
getting the publicity of Master P's kid, right? Or those kind of things. But we're seeing some chip away at different opportunities that I think will be great for them. So are the early businesses that are interested, are they uh, businesses that have already been aligned with the university? Is it brand new? Are they more digital? Are they more brick and mortar? Are there any early trends? Uh, you know, I think what we're seeing is, is kind of a kind of a mixture. We're seeing uh, we're seeing some social media spaces, of course. We're seeing some cameo. I'm sure your listeners know what cameo is, and we thought this from the very beginning would be common. That's where our students can go on and and give messages and videos to, to folks that want to pay for that. It could be happy birthday messages. It could be reaching out and speaking to somebody. We're seeing some limited uh, work on cameo. Uh, we're seeing some uh, you know other type. Again, social media type things, and I think we always knew that that would be really common, and so we're not surprised by by any of that. But at the end of the day, there's two things that come to mind, right? One, it's July, right? And this is a time that our student athletes either are in complete rest mode, uh, taking a mental and physical break, or if they case of our fall sports, they're deep involved in their summer conditioning program, and you got to have a lot of time to do this stuff. I mean, at the end of the day. It's up to them to do the work, uh, to reach out, do all those things. And it, it's just going to take some time and it's going to take some initiative. So I think we're seeing a, a small percentage of our kids that are involved. The rest of them are just kind of watching, trying to figure out if they want to jump in. I don't know if concern is the right word here, Mark, but what is the level of interest, if it is concern, from the coaching perspective as how is it going to affect the teams? Well, I mean, certainly that's been a big narrative for the last year plus on this is how does this all come in and how does the, uh, you know, the star athlete on any team, he or she get money and the others don't. You know, these are all the the things that were of concern to to many, but it really hasn't been that big of a concern for us here because, you know, maybe we're just real proud and, and confident of our coaches and how they handle team dynamics and expectations. Um, and I think we got great kids here. I don't think a kid wants to come in and cause friction on his team by doing something that's unseemly or getting way far ahead of anybody. I mean, I'm sure we're going to have a couple incidents here and there, I mean, just like any place, but not too concerned about it. You know, not too concerned um, that it's going to cause cause issues. Obviously, that's up to the coaches uh, you know, before July 1 and after July 1. And work with them. Mark, you're breaking up there. We've lost the last uh, 20 seconds or so here. So, uh, Yach, you want to pick him up and talk to him, see if you can uh, reestablish that? And we want to hear that answer. And answers to come from Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director. Oh, I'm just getting started here. (laughs) I bet you are, actually. (laughs) There's a lot of questions with this. Yeah, I want to go in. I think the time thing is, is a big deal. What do you mean? Well, we hear how busy these student-athletes are. I mean, we talk to them. You know, Jalen Johnson graduating three years, uh, trying to get to a place where he can go in and compete in the NFL right away. And you talk to him about social life and the college experiences. I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, but you got time to make money, though. It's another yeah. story. Money, money talks, my man. And we all know that. All right, we got Mark Harlan back on. Sorry, Mark, can you go over that? But we just didn't hear the last 20 or 30 seconds there. Clearly, I... I need to get a better endorsement with a cell phone. There you go. But uh, <laughs> no, I was I was just saying team dy- team dynamics have been something that have been concerned you know of concern I think by by a lot of different folks. But we just haven't seen any issue with that. Nor in all our educational work, we've been meeting with our students for weeks on this. It's just not something that 
uh, you know, we really believe is going to be an issue here. I think most kids, if they have an opportunity to earn well or do things, I think most of their teammates would be proud of them and happy for them. Um, I think if you start getting team dynamics that appear because of that, you probably had something else that was brewing anyway. So I'm, I'm confident our coaches will be able to handle whatever comes uh, in regards to that. So I'm curious, you compete inside the Pac-12 conference, and you compete with these other 11 schools, so you want to have an edge on them. On the other hand, you also work together with them, and the brand is all one, and you certainly share ideas and best practices. So how does it work with name, image, and likeness? How much is sharing is going on with this, and how much of this is, I want to tell those guys, we got to beat those guys. We're recruiting against those guys. Yeah, I mean, we've been working pretty closely together on it. I mean, as I said, we, we've been dealing with all the issues with, with what was going to come from Indianapolis via the NCAA on this. So we've been working real close with the member schools in our conference and, of course, the conference officials. Um, there has been some sharing of best practice, particularly on the education piece. Uh, how does your compliance office work? What maybe third-party vendors are you using to help with, with some of the things? But um, it, it really hasn't been kind of a, uh, a secret thing. I mean, I'm sure we have some IP, so to speak, that we haven't shared with everybody, and I'm sure they would do the same. But by and by, it's been a very collaborative process. A lot of this, as far as kids getting opportunities, not exclusively by any stretch, but some of it's going to be based on their personalities. And the way their personalities have gotten out to the public has been through the free media interviews and they've got to play well and all that stuff, but they, you know, they've got to be able to handle themselves in front of microphones and cameras and whatnot. And that's a learning experience unto itself. And you see kids come in and be very shy as freshmen by the time they're juniors and seniors. I and mean, they're very, very comfortable. And, and I can list a ton of uh, Utah athletes that have just been marvelous at it. Brian Johnson comes to mind back in the undefeated season in uh, football, the last one that you had there. So I'm wondering, how much is this going to change the sports information aspect of it in terms of allowing kids to be accessible to be able to show their personalities as they develop? Well, in my mind, I think it can only help it. And and let me tell you why. One, team rules are still going to apply, right? So team rules are always going to be clear that there's obligations you have to be a Utah student athlete, and one of them is you have to engage with the media when asked, uh, whether that be post game, during the week, whatever. I mean, there's there's not a situation that we would allow for for a kid to say, "I'm not doing that," unless it's unrelated to, uh, you know, something they're dealing with with their health or anything like that. That's a different story. So I think if you look at it from the perspective of it gives him or her an opportunity. Uh, to to show themselves and to see those personalities you mentioned, Brian, and, and there's so many others we could mention that uh, that that are great, and that's an opportunity uh, to put themselves out there. So I think we'll probably see more kids want to get involved if they believe that'll help them with their brand and and those kind of things. But we're not going to get in a situation where uh, I'm sorry, Paul Kirk, our great uh, communication director, I'm not going to do that today because. You know, my agent says I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. We're, we're not we're not going to allow for that, nor do we have any anticipation that our students would push back on that. Mark Harlan joining us right now, University of Utah Athletic Director. So where do you think this is going to be a year from now? Have you got any idea where this is going, or is it just hold on tight? I really think it's going to be, uh, you know, pretty simple. You know, the rule is there now. You can do that. 
I think a year from now, the students, particularly the ones that have been here on campus, you know, freshmen will always go through uh, the indoctrination process of this. But I think students will understand how much time they have for this. Remember, they still got to be a college student. They still have to do all the things they need to do to compete. And that time that's left, I think they will uh, figure that out. And where they want to jump in, jump in. You know, I think it's the headline for me, and it's, I've been saying this publicly for a while, the sky is not falling. Uh, you know, we'll kick off the ball on Saturdays and sometimes Thursday nights, and, and we'll, move, we'll move forward. Um, we also know that there will be things that we'll all read about and think, hmm, you know, uh, nationally, that, that kid went there, and, you know, we'll scratch our head. But I think we do that now, yeah. right, don't we? We, we, we? we do that now. So I think, I think it's probably going to um, probably settle into what I always thought, about 10 or 15% of our student-athletes will really engage in it and have an opportunity, and the rest, if something comes their way, they'll come forward and we'll help them do it. Throughout your uh, career as an athletic administrator, you've worked in a lot of different places and some bigger places where they've had pro teams of all sorts and even multiples down there, obviously, in the Los Angeles area. And then you come to a place, you're down in Tucson, you come to a place here like Salt Lake, and you know full well that college football, these guys, in, in, in essence, are our professionals. And we, the media, cover the, the heck out of college football and make a big deal of it. We're someplace like in the Phoenix area, you know, I've said it a million times, Times, uh, the Devils can have a huge win and you turn on sports radio and they get to it two and a half hours into the show because they spend the first time uh, portion of it talking about the Cardinals because the pros are where it's at. So my point for you is do you think that this could be an advantage in terms of recruiting, even though you're not allowed to recruit to it, but the kid and his people can be smart enough to realize, hey, if I go to a place like Salt Lake college football is the only show in town basically at that time of year so it might be able to help me financially yeah no obviously i I do believe that i do think that uh it's a special place to compete here in salt lake at the university of utah you know all the sellouts if we're talking about football and of course some of our other sports as well but no it's it's um, it, it's obviously a place where you can get a lot of engagement from fans, from media. And I think that that's just something that any young man, if we're talking about football now, is going to look at. You know, But I also believe the other things are important. Who's going to coach you? Uh, what kind of facilities do you have? What kind of university? What kind of degree? Uh, who are you going to play? Uh, you know, is it a full stadium? All those things will still be a part of the equation for a young man. I don't think any one thing. Again, I'm talking about mass majority of the time. I don't think any one thing uh, will, will take you over the top. I do say on this particular subject as they dive in, I think any kid or parent will look at what you just said and, and be pretty excited about sending a young person to the University of Utah. Let me make it clear. You can't go, the rule is, is you can't go and induce someone to come here to University of X by saying, hey, you come here and I'll set this deal up for you. Right. But what you can say as time goes by, you know, you can say, listen, here's our Lasan entrepreneurship partnership. Here's the things we're doing. Here's how if you engage in this experience, we're going to help you. We're going to educate you. We're going to make sure that uh, you've done this the right way, stay eligible and have great opportunities. Here's a look at some examples, you know, of other kids that have done great things. They did the work. You can come in and do that, too. That's all fine. And we look forward to to really showing that off as, as time goes on. So how savvy do you think that 
athletes, their parents, and uh, their high school coaches, whoever the other mentor influencers are, as far as over time realizing, hey, you go to Oregon and you partner with Nike and you go to L.A. and especially SC and there's all these opportunities in uh, Hollywood. And, you know, in Salt Lake, there's the spotlight because there aren't as many pro sports. You know, there's not Major League Baseball in the NFL. Uh, How savvy do you think people get on the other end of the recruiting spectrum without your coaches or any coaches in any school having to say anything? Well, listen, I I know there's always the fringe on either side of any any issues. At the end of the day, most most parents that I meet with, they they, want to talk about how they're, again, football here, how their young man's going to be treated. Uh, how they're going to have the ability to to graduate, have a great experience. Uh, that's the majority of conversations that we we have with parents. It doesn't mean that they want to uh, don't want to make sure that their son has the opportunity to earn if if he's got the time. But most parents are those like parents of always. They they want their son to come in and have a great opportunity to to get better, grow, um, and that's what we we focus in on. Listen, I, I know there's going to be headlines. I saw the one at, at Oregon yesterday by Kevon, and that's a great opportunity for him. And I'm sure down the line we'll have someone that, that has something like that that everyone will be reading and talking about. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, you know what, what parents and families cared about before July one is still heavily prevalent today. How's the South End Zone project going? Kingoff Red Zone is going great. Uh, it is. Uh, it's just amazing. Every every week, uh, you just see more changes, particularly now in the interior. Uh, very excited about where it stands. You know, we've got very few uh, you know seats left in there. We're, we're now kind of segueing to filling up the uh, you know the return of the bleacher seats that will kind of go up on each side as, as it as it heads up there. Uh, really excited about it. Students are excited about it. I uh, really look forward to some of the open house stuff we're going to do in August. So, so all fans, whether or not they're sitting in there or not, can come in and take a look. You know, underreported about all of this is the new space downstairs. Uh, dare I say, guys, a whole new media area. I know you'll miss the Crocker Room a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but a whole new new media area, incredible locker room for the youths, great recruiting areas that we can watch students by. Uh, just, just an amazing uh, facility, a, a club down there that's going to fit up to 900 people, a field club. The team will run out and pregame right through the, the crowd. It's going to be special. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day who tried to scientifically explain now how the sound will be trapped uh, in, in the south there. We'll head out toward the street. So you can imagine if possible, it's even going to be louder than ever. So. Uh, we can't wait to get that that started, and uh, it's amazing to think that's a couple months away. So the media space, is it going to go back to the uh, old type of media rules? I get asked this all the time. What are you guys going to do? And it doesn't matter, you know, depending on the fan, it's Jazz, it's Utes, it's Cougars, whatever. How's that going to play out? What's that going to look like after a year of Zoom? Well, we got to get back to, to in-person. you guys got to do your work. It's good for our students to be in that session. I mean, obviously – uh, there could be some times when a Zoom makes sense for everybody, but I, I you know, our head coaches know my my play here is that we're going to get back to uh, you know to, to doing business as we did before because I think it was a good way to do it. Um, and uh, you know, in, in the case of football, just the, the way we've set it up down there. Now I will say this, you guys, it's a, it's a big room with a glass wall, so that club group is going. You guys will be like fish in a bowl in there. <laughs> so the, 
so they'll be looking at you. So when uh, PK asks one of his infamous questions, uh, he'll get those same looks, DJ, that you're looked at by, by hundreds of people watching. Oh no! So you guys will have to do a, you'll have to do a little hair hair and makeup uh, post game. Be nice. Yeah, I'm excited for it because uh, I think at that point. You know, once that thing is up and running, uh, the way I look at that stadium and then with the football facility that opened, I think, before you got there and all that stuff, I look at it from the football perspective. The U of U pretty much at that point has everything that it needs to be successful. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's certainly something that uh, we felt like we needed to go over 50000 We needed to add premium seating. We needed to get way better working space for, for our football program during a game. Um, so really, really excited that we're there. And during a pandemic, to have all our donors step up, not miss their their uh, annual pledge donations, has just been really inspiring um, and shows the care that everyone has. Uh, and, and then you look at our fans who were buying tickets during a pandemic. So, you know, it really uh, it's just another testament to our amazing fan base. And, and, and you're right. You know, we have what we need. We've got great coaches. We've got great students. Uh, we just need to get back out in the field and do our thing. Well, Mark, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking name, image, and likeness and uh, looking forward to the wild, wild west, whatever this evolves into. It'll be great, guys. I appreciate uh, having the chance to talk to you guys and look forward to seeing you soon. There's Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director on name, image, and likeness, and we're just getting started with this. It'll really be interesting to see the the different dynamics here, what football players get versus everybody else or football and men's basketball versus everybody else. How much it really matters what you have as far as social media, like the University of Utah gymnastics team. If you're a gymnast and you come in with however many thousands of Facebook and Instagram followers, do you just crush it? Especially if you've just been on the Olympic team. Huh? So there's lots of angles. And I really think for football fans, how much do local guys stay put? Because they've already got stuff going and they're already known. Or... Hey, I want to go to Oregon. They're going to send me to the NFL, and I'm going to be in the playoff. Maybe that still holds sway. And what does this do to the transfer market? Because when you transfer and you start over, and nobody knows who you are, you can be a good player. Charlie Brewer can come in and crush it, but he's only going to be in front of the fans for three or four months. So, and how much of this matters? How much of it is, hey, for the football players, I got to get to the NFL, and that drives it, and the other stuff is just a footnote. A semi-lucrative footnote that they want along the way, but it's just a footnote. And it doesn't really shape big decisions. All of this to be figured out. We're all trying to predict what uh, 18 and 20-year-olds are going to do. So good luck with that. All right. When we come back, the Utah Jazz, it's time to start thinking about off-season moves. NBA Finals. Two games down, it'll be over soon enough, and then it'll be draft, and then it'll be free agency, and there can be some trades mixed in. We will talk with Craig Bowlerjack next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, we're joined now by Craig Bolerjack on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Bowler, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. I like the song coming in. What is that, uh, PK? You can check out, but you, but you can never leave. Oh yeah, yeah that 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 just describes jazz fandom to a T. They want to check out after disappointing losses, but they always are in. And yeah, passion is always leave. you can't you can't you, you can say you did or you will or whatnot, but nah. no, I don't buy it. Nope, nope, maybe, nope. Maybe for a time or two, but when it really matters, you're right there. Yeah, maybe take a trip to the back porch, come back in. So, yeah. So you got a little distance, a little removal from the uh, from the playoffs here, and not to just completely rehash the playoffs, but they inform the offseason moves, where the team has to go from here. If you had to prioritize one, two, or three things to do with the roster, what would you do? Oh, uh, boy, that's, those are all great questions, and they're all going to be answered soon. Uh, the first you know, summer of, of Ryan Smith, and Justin Zanuck making some big decisions with, I'm sure, some help from Dwayne Wade. But, you know, I, I think, again, you, you always start a team with uh, who's going to run the show. And so, you know, you do have to make a decision on what direction you want to pursue Mike Conley. And all indications, again, report the, the Jazz will pursue Mike. Um, and I don't know at what cost. And I'm not sure where, uh, you know, Ryan – and the, the the ownership group wants to go with luxury tax, but look, there's going to be some suitors uh, for Mike Conley. But you know, I think Mike knows what the Jazz are, what direction they want to go, and also his relationship uh, with Donovan and the team. So I would think that's one plus for Utah. But you know, again, you have to put it on paper. You have to be concerned of a couple of things. One is age, and of course the other is injury. And you have to look at, uh, you know, I guess the analytics of it all, but still the gut feeling you have to have is what can Mike give you if it's a two-year deal, a one-year? I'm not sure he's going to sign for anything less than two. Maybe he wants two, you know, and then his option. Uh, I, I don't know. But it's it's going to cost money. and But also you have to weigh the odds of, of health, and how many games can you truly, truly get out of Mike Conley? And then saying that, guys, I would think you'd have to have another plan of action on who are you grooming to, to be in that position in the next two years or so and a legitimate backup point guard um, if you're going to keep the rotations the same as Mike is the one and Donovan is the two. But those are interchangeable. We all get that. Basketball's changed a lot in the sense of the numbers game. Rudy is a true five, obviously, but you know, most of the time coaches that I run across don't even like to put a number on a player. They just play ball. So I would think that's one, probably upping their defensive abilities on the wings with a bigger athletic player. Uh, look, Royce played his you know, tail off at 6'4 against some of the greatest players in the league. Uh, and again, I think that's still an, an issue the Jazz need to have is more of a... Uh, of a defender who can run and flow uh, when the Jazz uh, knee transition defense. And those are my top two. Uh, I mean, the, the shooting, uh, the Jazz have, you know, a corral of three-point shooters. Do they try to up the 
the ante and their bench, what team doesn't. So those would be the top three uh, that I think the Jazz are looking at. And I'm not sure about trades. Look, they may go into you know into the free agent market if they can't find that. How aggressive are they in the trade market? Those are questions I can't answer because again, I'm I'm anxious just to see who Ryan Smith is when it comes to aggressive off-season moves. And this is his first summer, and we're gonna we're gonna find out. So I think certainly they should make uh, Conley a priority. I actually think that uh, length of a contract might be more important than money, but it's not my money, so it's easy to say that. And you don't want to be saddled where you're looking at a situation where you're just waiting for the deal to run out. They've had a couple of those over the years, and teams that have that, it, by definition, it doesn't end well. So I'm very cons- not concerned, but I'm uh, curious maybe, I guess, or wonder how long the deal is going to be. And we had Locke on last week, as we do, and he was talking about the idea, he broached the subject of potentially trading Joe Ingles, not because of Joe's any lack of ability, but because, you know, to, to get something, you got to give up something. But in my mind, if they want to bring Conley back, which I think they do, and, and I certainly would love to see it, then I actually think that that pretty much guarantees that you've got to have Joe on the team because yeah. you have to have somebody who's ready to step in because obviously Conley's not going 82. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the the Joe Ingles discussion, you know, and David's right. Every every team, if you want to, uh, you know, improve, you have to give up assets to gain them. I mean, that's just that's just the simple way of of, of doing business. And you know what? If Mike's not if his, you know, the other one too, PK and DJ. The other part of this discussion is Mike has a decision that he can make. Yeah, he can be flattered by the pursuit of the Jazz, but he may have other suitors. He may have other goals. Uh, he may get a sweeter contract, right? So is that a situation where you can sign and trade him so you do get something back in return, unlike what happened with the Hayward situation of a, of a few years ago where you lost an all-star and got nothing in return when he signed uh, with Boston. So, yeah, all those things come into play. And uh, you make a great point about Joe. I mean, man, I tell you, that will be a tough day when Joe Ingles uh, retires or if he is, uh, if he moves on. Because again, seven years of Joe Ingles, as we got, as we all know, fun to cover. Uh, always has something up his sleeve to discuss, but also you know plays his heart out, and he's a. He, he can play multiple positions. I mean, he's another coach on the floor and well-trusted by Quinn Snyder. Uh, but your point is well taken. Teams do have to give up assets to to improve or gain the elements or the, uh, or the player they need to fill gaps. So, again, interesting to see what direction they go. So I'm curious, just in your interactions with small conversations, not only with the two people I'm about to ask you about, but other people around them, if you have a sense of how the organization's uh, philosophy may have changed with uh, Dennis Lindsay no longer the primary decision maker and Justin Zanuck is. Now, they work together, so I assume there's a lot of similarities, but there's always differences. What might those be? Sure, sure. Well, I think Dennis, again, is the analytic guy. Uh, he builds teams and, and hired Quinn to coach him. And, and, and again, he put together a hell of a team. There's no question. I think probably this transition steps outside the box a little bit where Z or Justin Zanuck, is, Z as we call him, 
Um, he, he's a guy that has uh, relationships with, I think, with agents that are stronger in that regard, um, and also probably communicating those desires with players. And so I think that probably bodes well that, that you know, an agent, a former agent, understands that part of the business and I believe that would be a big a big plus when you're dealing with contracts and relationships. Uh, not saying Dennis didn't, but I think that that's a strong suit uh, for Justin. So those those are things again that will play out as well: uh, communication, uh, relationships, and the fact that it's a tight group that they know one another and there's a trust factor there and they can they can communicate what their needs are and and saying what you know playing time minutes and those type of issues that come up in the discussions when you're pursuing maybe a free agent you know what what's this guy going to be able to do what do you want him for and what's your goals ahead uh, i think ryan honestly getting back to this uh, the Ryan Smith's first year of ownership, he made it very clear he wanted to be a title, uh, bring a title to Utah, want to be a champion. You know, it takes money to do that, right? Uh, and to push yourself to the next level usually puts you over the tax, over the cap. So, again, you know, how aggressive will he be and what kind of influence uh, or impact as a consultant would Dwayne Wade be? You know, again, I don't know. And I think, again, those are things that we will find out as the summer continues on how aggressive this ownership will be. How much do you get the sense that they want to run it back because they were close and had some things go against themselves, but they can get better? And they're not going to return everybody, but I'm talking about the nucleus and not really make a bunch of what I would consider, even if it's just one, radical change. You know, PK, I think your first question about Mike tells us maybe the answer to that is that they're pursuing him, so maybe not more or less trying to do, well, an overhaul. That's kind of strange to say when you win 52 uh, games and you're the you know the, the top team in the NBA by, by record. So, you know, pursuing Mike may tell us that they do want to give it another run. Uh, and maybe, again, look, they're going to make some tweaks. I mean, that's just the way this game is played. You have to on a yearly basis. It's rare that you would just stay, you know, stay pat with what you have. But pursuing Mike Conley kind of indicates that they still have um, confidence and hope that this team, the core of it, can still be a high-level competitor in the West and beyond if you stay healthy. I mean, I, I've talked to so many fans over the last two weeks of we could have won it. We could be right now playing. Well, you know, look, uh, you can not You can play the what-if game, you know, all summer long if you like, but we'll never know. And I would personally, I would love to have seen a healthy backcourt of Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley right throughout the entire uh, playoffs, but it didn't happen that way. And Donovan, by the way, I, you could tell he wasn't 100% uh, trying to play in the second round against the Clippers. But they, but you did see what the Jazz were weak in. That was, you know, a small ball. You know, Rudy being trapped at the rim and then trying to jump out. Uh, and Terrence Mann goes, what, 39 on his 15 minutes of fame. And I think he's averaging seven points during uh, during his, his run with the Clippers in the playoffs. So there are just nights that – you you've been weakened, and I think against the Clippers, that matchup 
maybe showed the Jazz some direction they also need to think of. Um, maybe more athletic um, and also the six seven type defender that can go out and really uh, jump on a guy and uh, make life difficult. You know, again, I applaud Royce, but he's 6'4", and he does a great job. But at times he needs help in the way they, that these switching defenses and, and, and the different looks you need to give, you know, offenses come into play here in, that, in this discussion. But, you know, rounding the turn and coming back to your question, PK, I, I think, again, there's tweaks needed, and that's what they'll do. But pursuing Mike, I think, is, is kind of the first um, – Indicator that the Jazz like what they have most most of the pieces, and if they get Mike back, you know here we go. We know the Conley Donovan Mitchell backcourt, uh, and if Joe stays, you know what you get off the bench. Maybe you know they still feed him in, in, in as a starter on occasion. He usually plays with those two guys as well. Um, so we may still see a lot of of what we saw this year and what produced fifty two wins uh, during the regular season. And I want all those things, and I want to tweak all those things, and I find all those things interesting, but I just think the best thing that Jazz have going for them is how, um, I don't know what the right word is, mad, angry, frustrated, some combination of all those things Donovan Mitchell was after the loss. Because watching him go for 39 points in a game where I thought he can't drive, he can't jump and land on that, he can't finish, he has to be a jump shooter. He's got to be. And they should have known that. And he still had 39-9-9. and And PK's talked about his clutchiness. And it seems stupid to sit here and say, this guy's just going to routinely go for 40 or 50. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to sit here and say he's not going to go for 40 and 50. And, and the matter and the anger and the more frustrated he is, man, bottle that up for next year. That, that could be the best thing the Jazz have going for him. Yeah, and you know what? Let's talk about that for a minute because, again, there's always been those little, you know, whispers of is he not happy. I mean, he's going to start a a max contract um, next year. I mean, just in three months we're playing again, by the way. I mean, it's just bizarre, you know, that October will be here before you know it. Um, But, you know, one of the things that Jazz have to do and teams have to always take this into consideration with their superstars is making them happy and showing progress. And so that's another concern of what does Donovan think of what direction the Jazz are going to. Um, a lot of times we used to say, hey, you know, players don't dictate, you know, movement. They shouldn't, but they do. I mean, PK, I think you'll agree, right, DJ, too? I mean, you know, Donovan's going to have a voice in, in a lot of the, the decisions that the Jazz will make going forward. They have to to keep him here. Uh, you know, he's one of the most impactful players since the Carl and John days, in my opinion. I mean, you know, D. Will and Boozer had moments, but this guy right here is, is, um, is the franchise, uh, and you've got to make sure that he is, uh, I guess – Involved in in the moves you're making going forward, and I'm, I'm sure he will. I'd be surprised if he he doesn't have a big voice of what what direction the Jazz goes. So that's another part of the equation too. Uh, is 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 Mike Conley at the point? Donovan Mitchell being happy and probably trying to, again trying to find some defensive players that can run up and down the floor on this three. The Jazz got burned multiple times in transition. Uh, if you shoot the three, you've got to get back. If you don't make, if you make him, you look great. I mean, you're you're going to win every game you play. Uh, the nights that you don't hit the three, 
uh, they take a wicked bounce and teams are off and running and you have a, po- a four-point swing. And as we found out multiple times in, in the league this year, not only for the Jazz, but no, no lead is safe. No lead is safe. 25 points, 27, I mean, third, 29. I mean, you know, putting a number you want there, and there's always a chance that teams play themselves back in. And the Jazz got slapped in the face a couple of times this year, um, especially that one game against the Clippers where, what was it, 25? And um, they couldn't hang on, despite the fact, DJ, as you just said, Donovan dropping 39. There's Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. When we come back, what is trending, all the headlines, and of course, game two of the NBA Finals. That's next. Stay with us.